The resurrection, the center of hope where Jesus is victoriously, victoriously giving us forgiveness. A new start and victory over death. Easter is the message of God's love and it's signed with his signature of the resurrection. John says in John chapter 11 verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And he wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Brothers and sisters, God loves us more than we can possibly imagine. Welcome to this traditional Christian Easter service, all denominations, all people welcome. My name is Pastor Joseph Clark. Christ be with you. You know, there are scholars who will tell you that the word Easter refers to a pagan festival. And within the context of the word Easter, spelled E-O-S-T-E-R, Yoster, they are correct. So what? A majority of our words, phrases in the English language as a whole have an import from old traditions. But within the context of the one true God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, which is the defining context of all things, Easter is the Super Bowl of Christianity. Many might say, Pastor Joseph, is not Christmas the biggest Christian event? When you consider Christ's purpose for his time in the form of a man on earth, Easter is the de facto reason. Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection paid the price for our sin. As a result, we are only saved through Christ alone if we choose to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior in accordance with the Gospels. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we worship you and we love you and we have complete faith and trust in your plan. I pray to you, Lord, to anoint my words today for this Easter service. I invite the Holy Spirit to work through me and I pray with my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, that our hearts and minds are opened, not just our ears. And Lord, guide us in your wisdom. Tell us what it is that you want us to hear and to know, to know you and to know about you. We ask for your blessing upon these proceedings and we devote this time to you. In all things, let your will be done. In the holy and sacred name of Jesus the Christ, I pray.
Amen. A church is a community of worshipers who are all disciples of Christ. And as Christ commanded his disciples, love one another as I have loved you. And as he answered the Pharisees, love thy neighbor as you love thyself. Please take a moment to acknowledge those in our lives, in our household, our families, our neighbors, our communities, co-workers, and especially those who we are at odds at. And let us share the love of Christ, Christ's mercy, his peace, and his forgiveness as we pray. Blessed be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are all those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are all those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. And blessed are all those who are persecuted in the name of Jesus Christ or for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.
Lord our God, we firmly believe that you are one God and three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe that your divine Son became man, died for our sins, was resurrected from the dead, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the resurrection of the body. We believe in the forgiveness of sin and the life everlasting through Christ's saving grace. We believe all of these truths which you have revealed to us. Please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art thou in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Brothers and sisters in Christ, please join me now as we witness to our faith. The response to the following questions are, Amen. Brothers and sisters, do you reject Satan and all of his evil works and accept Jesus Christ into your hearts as your Lord and Savior? Amen. Do you repent your sins and seek God's forgiveness? Amen. Do you endeavor to forgive all offenders in this life? Amen. Do you endeavor to sanctify yourself and leave no debts in this life? Amen. Do you accept that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody comes to the Father except through him? Amen. And do you accept that there is salvation in no one else, that God has given us no other name under heaven by which we must be saved, but that of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Amen. And do you seek God's assistance, his guidance, his wisdom, and his grace? Amen. Please join me in reciting Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He guideth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I shall walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you art thou with me. Your rod and your staff, they cover me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and loving kindness and mercy will follow me all of the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Jesus Christ enlightened us and died for our sins so that we can be forgiven. He taught tolerance, forgiveness, and non-judgment of each other. His good news is that we are saved by faith and by his grace alone if we believe that we are sinners, if we receive the living Christ, and if we are vocal witnesses to Jesus Christ as disciples and evangelists. Brothers and sisters, as a man, I cannot forgive sin. I do not have the authority. I am but a sinner. But if we repent in our hearts by the will of God under the authority of Jesus Christ, and only by his grace are our sins forgiven. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the riches of your kindness, forbearance, and patience, knowing that your kindness has led us to repentance. We confess that we have not extended that same patience and kindness towards others who've offended us through pride and through ego, but instead we have harbored bitterness and resentment. Lord, in your name, we forgive them. Let us reflect for a moment on those whom we seek forgiveness from and those whom we forgive. In Colossians 3, chapter, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul writes, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And John wrote in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. And where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Let us hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to his church. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We begin with a reading from Matthew 28. Our Easter reading is then going to continue through to Mark chapter 16, Luke chapter 24, and John chapter 20. So I'm going to progress through the Easter story, through the accounts of all four testimonies. We begin with Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 7. Jesus rises from the dead. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said he would, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Now, as we turn over to Mark chapter 16, before I go into verse number 9 and, and continue with our reading, I want to point out what Mark accounts for in this regard. The angel says, Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. So let's take note of what the angel said there. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter. And we continue Mark chapter 16, verses 9 to 11. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. After Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what had happened. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and she had seen him, they didn't believe her. We now turn to Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 34. Jesus appears to two believers traveling on the road. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem 
who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to resurrect Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to sea, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, Stay the night with us, since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. And now we turn to John chapter 20, and we're going to read from verses 19 to 30. Jesus appears to his disciples, and Jesus appears to Thomas. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus appears to Thomas. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, 
Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Praise God. To give this reading even more context, prior to this reading, Jesus and his disciples share the Last Supper. Jesus predicts Peter's denial of him. Jesus agonizes in the garden. Judas betrays Jesus. He is arrested. He is condemned by the religious leaders. Judas hangs himself. Jesus stands trial before Pilate. Jesus is flogged, mocked, humiliated, crucified, and he dies on the cross. His body is laid in the tomb. Guards are posted at the entrance of the tomb. Three days elapse, and then his awesome and magnificent resurrection. Our reading ends with Jesus appearing to his disciples. After the events of this reading, Jesus appears to his disciples again. He challenges Peter to feed his lambs, care for his sheep, and to feed his sheep. He gives his disciples the Great Commission. Then he leads them to Bethany, and he ascends into heaven before their very eyes. Luke tells us in the book of Acts that from the day of his resurrection until his ascension into heaven, that Jesus walked the earth and continued his ministry for 40 days, witnessed by thousands, and that his words and deeds would fill all of the books in all of the oceans. How many of you are familiar with the name Charles Colson or Chuck Colson? He was on Nixon's staff, reputed as a feared political henchman for Nixon, he was imprisoned for his part in the Watergate scandal. Just before going to prison, he became a born-again Christian, and he eventually founded the Prison Fellowship Ministry, which is worldwide, and he authored several books. His ministry has been an incredible asset for the kingdom. Of the resurrection, Chuck Colson is quoted as saying, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead, then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep a lie for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. 
In our Easter reading, it is interesting to note that the religious leaders took Jesus' resurrection claims more seriously than his own disciples did. They were downtrodden and defeated, and yet he warned them in advance that he would die and rise again. During Jesus' ministry, the demons recognized him for who he was, and yet the disciples still doubted. They personally witnessed his signs, healings, exorcism of demons, rebuking the elements, walking on water, and yet their faith had wavered. And who could blame them? After all, they were only human. The reference to the other Mary does not refer to Jesus' mother Mary, but to another Mary which followed and supported Jesus. She may have been Cleopas' wife. The stone which was rolled out of the way was not rolled so that Jesus could get out, but so that others could get in and see that he had truly risen from the dead. We note that the angel who announced the good news of the resurrection gives them basically four messages. Number one, do not be afraid. Secondly, Jesus is not dead, but alive. Third, come and see that the tomb is empty. And fourth, go spread the good news of Christ's resurrection. Just as Jesus promised, he rose from the dead. He is not a false prophet or imposter. He's everything that he claimed, and he has fulfilled the prophecies. Therefore, we too can be assured of our eternal life if we choose to receive Christ's saving grace. Jesus is the Son of God. He is God the Son. Jesus had and has authority over heaven and earth. He appeared to various followers hundreds of miles apart from one another over a time span that would have been impossible to, to traverse by foot. Interesting to note that the angel makes special mention of Peter, showing us that in no way was he disowned as a result of his denials. God's forgiveness is infinite, and this is reassuring to us all. The angels told them to meet Jesus in Galilee, as he had told you. This is where he first called them to be fishers of men. Jesus remains dead for three days. You might recall that Jesus awaited until Lazarus had been dead three days as well. Because by Hebrew tradition, one was not truly considered dead until they had been laid to rest three days. After three days, it was indisputable. They had died. Pastor Billy Graham was quoted as saying about Christ's resurrection, God proved his love on the cross when Christ hung and bled and died, and it was God saying to the world, I love you. Before the resurrection of Christ, the Holy Spirit came upon individuals only on certain occasions for special tasks. But now, after the resurrection, Christ through the Holy Spirit dwells in the heart of every believer to give us supernatural power in living our daily lives. John MacArthur wrote, The truth of the resurrection gives life to every other area of gospel truth. The resurrection is the pivot on which all of Christianity turns and without which none of the other truths would much matter. Without the resurrection, Christianity would be so much wishful thinking, 
taking its place alongside all other human philosophy and religious speculation. Leon Mortis, Morris, Leon Morris stated, The cross is the victory. The resurrection is the triumph. The resurrection is the public display of the victory, the triumph of the crucified one. John Piper stated, The best news of the Christian gospel is that the supremely glorious creator of the universe has acted in Jesus Christ's death and resurrection to remove every obstacle between us and himself so that we may find everlasting joy in seeing and savoring his infinite beauty. The Bible says he was raised not just after the bloodshedding, but by it. This, is, this means that what the death of Christ accomplished was so full and so perfect that the resurrection was the reward and vindication of Christ's achievement in death. John Piper goes on to say, The best news of the Christian gospel is that the supremely glorious creator of the universe has acted in Jesus Christ's death and resurrection to remove every obstacle between us and himself so that we may find everlasting joy in seeing and savoring his infinite beauty. And Charles Spurgeon wrote, The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is one of the best attested facts on record. There were so many witnesses to behold it that if we do in the least degree receive the credibility of men's testimonies, we cannot and we dare not doubt that Jesus rose from the dead. The resurrection is a fact better attested than any event recorded in any history, whether ancient or modern. End of Charles Spurgeon's quote. When Christ was baptized by John the Baptist, he became the sacrifice. When John saw Jesus approaching at the River Jordan, he said, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. By Hebrew law and tradition, sacrifices were cleansed and anointed before being killed and burnt on the altar to the Lord. In doing this, the sins are placed on the sacrifice on behalf of they who offer up the sacrifice to the Lord to atone for their sins. Likewise, when John baptized Jesus, he is cleansed and anointed and takes on all of our sin. That is why he insisted that John baptize him. When he died on the cross, he paid the price for our sin. Here comes the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. It all had to play out. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the gate. He is the good shepherd. His death on the cross was the living sacrifice. He truly was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The sacrificial Lamb of God. He paid the price for our sins and unconditionally offers us his saving grace provided we unconditionally accept it. The message of Easter is not only Christ's death to secure our eternal salvation, but his resurrection, a glorious event that validates everything that he ever preached ever did, and that the prophets had foretold about Jesus, that he is God the Son, he is the Messiah, we are saved in Christ. It is a message of triumph, a victorious message. Through Easter, Christ also taught us about having faith, staying the course, undying hope. 
When all seems lost, God delivers victory. What seemed like a disastrous set of events to those who loved him turned out to be God's victory over evil. So how do we apply this in our lives? Firstly, we choose to receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. Secondly, in our day-to-day challenges, place our problems and challenges at the foot of the cross and give ourselves up to God's timing. We live in accordance with the Gospels. We live in accordance with his word, his example, his teachings, his instructions, his commands. In Christ, we turn crisis into opportunity in our day-to-day lives. The morning after Jesus' crucifixion, his disciples were in mourning. They were scared, heartbroken, confused, and in disbelief. And yet, in a short period of time, they became courageous and bold apostles of Jesus Christ. They established the early church and continued the ministry of the one true God. Saul was a persecutor and murderer of Christians who was humbled and blinded by the Lord. Christ himself asked him, Saul, why do you persecute me? By the grace of God, he became a major leader and influencer in the early church. And he wrote 25% of the Bible. How is the grace of God working in our lives to turn crisis into opportunity? In your life, for you to be an asset to God's kingdom. What was the worst dilemma you have ever faced? I remember as a child when our family faced unfortunate human events, during those dilemmas, my parents would square their shoulders and condition us that there is nothing that we cannot overcome as a family. These were poignant moments for my family, and we did overcome and recover as a result of my parents' faith, hope, resolve, leadership. When do we define ourselves as human beings? Do our defining moments occur during difficult times or when everything is going rosy? Now close your eyes for a few seconds and remember one of your greatest defining moments to date. Was it a defining moment because it came with little cost? Or was it a defining moment because it had great difficulty attached to it? Did you step out of the rut of daily life and discover different paths or truer answers? I propose that in Christ we must embrace the challenges presented by difficult times. Before you go questioning my sanity, allow me to explain myself. After all, who would propose such a preposterous notion as embracing the difficulties imposed on us by our worst nightmares becoming reality? Life is tough enough. Simply put, we discover our defining moments and glorify God during times of challenging circumstances. Pastor Charles Stanley is quoted as saying, Adversity is not simply a tool. It is God's most effective tool for the advancement of our spiritual lives. The circumstances and events that we see as setbacks are oftentimes the very things that launch us into periods of intense spiritual growth. Once we begin to understand this and accept it as a spiritual fact of life, adversity becomes easier to bear. 
End of quote. The Chinese word for crisis is a compound of danger combined with opportunity. Do we fall down because gravity governs objects that are heavier than air, or do we fall down to learn how to get back up? And once we are on our feet, are we not wiser, better, and stronger people? Scientists state that the fate of everything is determined by the atomic structure of everything. The Holy Spirit tells us in the Word that our fate is determined by our choice to accept or reject Christ. This gives rise to the legitimate question, just what is it that we actually have unfettered control over? The answer, how we respond with hope in God to poignant moments and how we choose to apply our faith to the world around us. This is of paramount importance in life. This applies equally to the elite, the fortunate, the less fortunate, and the marginalized. Do you park your worst problems at the foot of the cross before you attempt to seek help elsewhere? The Greek philosopher Protagoras was famous for the maxim, man is the measure of all things. During our personal difficult times, do we want the substance of our lives to be sweet or sour? Because God has taught us that we determine that flavor only through him. We are the measure of all that is tolerable and all that is intolerable in our lives. How? By faith, by receiving Christ's salvation and becoming part of his kingdom, by walking our faith, by living our faith. We do well to remember the ancient Chinese proverb that tells us that there are three things that never return, the spoken word, the spare arrow, and the neglected opportunity. I urge you to resolve not to neglect the sanctifying opportunity found in challenging moments, not to neglect applying what has been taught, modeled, demonstrated, and commanded by God himself in the word. Reverend Norman Vincent Peale said, The individual who knows the score about life sees difficulties as opportunities. The doing of it demands personal reflection and discipline to habitually turn the chaotic flotsam of our daily lives to our spiritual advantage. It requires of us the same idealism and passion that the apostles demonstrated during instances when we are least inclined to be faithful and virtuous. Is it easy? In all the world, there is nothing more difficult and more worthy of the effort. And like any great endeavor, the more difficult the road, the more satisfaction lies in the completion of that journey. Whatever wrong you have suffered, it is a temporary crisis. A temporary crisis which could well be your defining moment. History has taught us that during times of challenging circumstances, we find our true God-given personal greatness. This greatness is in each and every one of us. It is God-given. And I believe without mental reservation that you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, have the potential to take your problems by the horns and apply the wisdom and grace of Christ Jesus. You are capable of his peace, his courage, and his harmony. Napoleon Hill wrote, You are entitled to know that two entities occupy your body. 
One of these entities is motivated by and responds to the impulse of fear. The other is motivated by and responds to the impulse of faith. Will you be guided by faith or will you allow fear to overtake you? What are your hopes and dreams? What are your ambitions? Have you got a plan to turn crisis into opportunity through Christ? When the worst happens to you and you are discouraged, defeated, downtrodden, or victimized, remember that God the Father is with you. There is nothing that we cannot overcome as a family in Christ alone. With all my heart, I wish you, brothers and sisters, all the success, love, peace, and harmony you deserve. Happy Easter. Praise be to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you for this special day. Thank you for your many blessings both obvious and those which go unnoticed or are taken for granted. Thank you for the suffering, the sacrifice, the ministry, and the eternal salvation of your only Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We worship you, Lord, and we ever endeavor to glorify you, Lord. You are the merciful creator of all things seen and unseen. We pray that the courage, the strength, and the wisdom of Christ Jesus be with us, and we invite the Holy Spirit to continually work through us. We pray in the sacred, holy, and precious name of our Lord and Savior, the King of Kings, the name above all names, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, thank you very much for joining me for our Easter service today. May God bless you and your families. Our Easter benediction is based in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and based in Hebrews 13. All praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy, the God of all consolation. Do not rely on yourselves alone, but put your trust in him. For the God who can raise the dead to life again will also deliver you. And now, may the God of peace, who brought back again from the dead our Lord Jesus, equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ. All this is pleasing to him. To him be glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me.
Thank you for joining us for our Easter service. Happy Easter. I'm Pastor Joseph Clark. Our service has now ended. But let us let this Easter be a reminder of God's never-ending love for us. Let us all together praise and worship God for his endless blessings. And I wish you and your family once again a blessed Easter. And may Christ be with you.